0: Welcome back to Coming Together for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane.
1: Hey, Anna. How are
0: you? I'm doing good. How about yourself?
1: Doing great. It's great to be together again.
0: Yes, it is. Great to see you. In our last conversation, Dr. Jane, we touched upon the many factors in in the pandemic that caused the perfect storm for fear and trauma. You spoke mainly about fear, and I was
1: hoping we could delve a little bit more deeply into trauma today. I think that's a great idea when we talk about trauma we're really talking about um, an extraordinary kind of stress that overwhelms all of the coping capacity um, and it shatters one's sense of safety and security um, and so along with that there is very often the experience of um, intense vulnerability and following the incident whatever that traumatic experience happens to be um, Usually, um, there's usually a period of intense emotions, sometimes intense um, uh, memories from the incident, a lot of anxiety, sometimes flashbacks, which is a, a real kind of a full sensory reliving of the incident. And sometimes these don't go away. And so what happens is very often the individual finds themselves in a real sense of aloneness, a real sense of feeling disconnected, sometimes a numbness and along with that, there tends to be this kind of prevailing distrust of others and also a, a, a distrust of the future. It's one of the, the, the pieces that very often we look for in um, diagnosing uh, post-traumatic stress is what we call um, foreshortened future. It's like not being able to see oneself in the progression of, of moving into a future. So there's kind of this helplessness and hopelessness that goes along with it. Yeah, well, what, what causes trauma? Well, I usually think of, of three major categories that activate trauma. There's a single event trauma. There's a prolonged uh, uh, traumatic stress. And then there are also natural disasters. What's interesting is that everybody tends to interpret their experience differently within any one of these three. Okay, so someone might have a a more intense impact, even in the same situation, more intense impact might react differently than someone else. So it's very, very subjective. But the other piece is that that trauma tends to run on a continuum of um, mild to moderate to severe. And so there, you know, within the field of of psychology, very often we refer to it as small T traumas, middle-sized traumas. and and you know severe traumas or big traumas big T traumas yeah. um, and again this happens to do with an individual's own personal experience of what has happened to them mm-hmm. Dr.
0: Jane can we go through each one of these and sure
1: sure when we talk about a single event trauma we're usually talking about something that is unexpected something that was a surprise mm-hmm. um, something like an injury or an accident could be an assault um, Loss of a job. Sometimes when someone is given a a serious diagnosis, they have a a traumatic response to it. Um, Illness, death of a loved one, you know, these are all single event traumas. Um, We're blindsided, it overwhelms the psyche and the nervous system, and things play out accordingly.
0: So the situation is like an
1: ambush and it overwhelms the person. That's right, that's right. That's a single event trauma. But then we have prolonged stress that can lead to traumatic stress. And the pandemic can be, you know, a pretty good example of this because this is a protracted situation, okay? It lasts very often a long time, okay? Longer than anticipated. So if you recall, we have this overwhelm of the psyche, this overwhelm of the nervous system. This overwhelm of coping mechanisms and rather than it being a single event is over a protracted period of time. So this challenges and depletes the individual. So any kind of a long term illness also caregiving can be a prolonged traumatic stress um, toxic work environment sometimes toxic family environments can can also lead to um, traumatic stress. Um, watching negative news feeds night after night, social media can be so negative. You know, these all can contribute to this kind of prolonged traumatic stress. Yes, these really speak to the global experience of the pandemic. That's right, that's right. And within this prolonged traumatic stress, there also is uh, what I consider kind of a special population. And this is anyone within this group of prolonged stress who also has a history of traumatic stress prior to this particular stressful event. So someone who has experienced violence or childhood abuse or um, has experienced vicious teasing or bullying are automatically going to be traumatized from that particular experience in their history of having this prolonged victimization. Sets them up to be much more sensitive, much more reactive, much more vulnerable to new traumatic stress. So it's
0: like another group who, because of past trauma, are even more sensitive to, to new stressful situations.
1: That's right. More sensitive and more reactive. And then we have the last category, uh, natural disasters. And this is anything from fires to earthquakes to um, hurricanes to floods. It can also include societal violence and domestic terrorism. You know, this affects us um individually, but it also affects us collectively. And what I mean by this is, you know, there are the firsthand experiences of people actually being at ground zero, right, when the event occurs, but there are also those of us who are watching it on the news reports and the pictures of it coming in and the testimony of people who are are, are involved in it. We also can experience the, the traumatic express of that natural disaster kind of secondhand. And when you think about how, as a nation, how we reacted to the Twin Towers, or even the recent uh, riots, you know, it affected people not just on the streets, but also at home watching things play out. Yeah, this is
0: fascinating. Now, what happens to the person that's
1: traumatized? Well, let's, let's just take a, a look at that, Anna, because it is about sensory overload, Um, And it it overloads all the systems, physical, uh, mental, emotional, overloads all the systems. So what happens is there's kind of this psychic sensory um, shutdown, um, which is really kind of a built-in measure of the psyche to protect itself. Mm -hmm. Um, The trauma kind of goes into a log jam, you know, um, in the system, and can very often stay there. Uh, this helps the individual survive. Uh, survival actually can take over and parts of the trauma may, be, may move below perception and not really um, come out or not really be revealed until sometimes later on. You know, for other people, they tend to replay the, and can't help it, but the, the traumatic images continue to replay and continue to overwhelm the system. Um, but do, many people do kind of disengage and dissociate from it. So the feelings and the memories kind of go underground and don't come out until later. And sometimes it can be like a sensory trigger that that pulls it to the surface again. Something like a sound or a smell can all of a sudden pop those you know uh, traumatic memories into to full awareness, and the individual is really overwhelmed by that experience that had been in that that log jam kind of buried in the buried in the psyche.
0: Sure, I could see why that, uh, that would happen. Uh, either, either way, it's it just, all this sounds really awful.
1: Well, it can be very, very difficult because yeah. it can trigger intense you know, fear and sadness and grief, uh, helplessness. Um, people very often feel trapped. Uh, it's like they can't get out of the incident. Sometimes there's guilt involved and anger. Um, very often shame and, and a, a real lack of, of sense of control in one's life. And then the, the physical symptoms that generally occur are things like, I mean, sleeplessness is, is one of the hallmarks, nightmares and fatigue, a lot of irritability and anxiety, agitation, you know, tension and restlessness also occur because one can't, can't settle into a state of calm or balance. So a lot of body tension that can sometimes lead to actual body pain. Um, appetite is also affected, so weight gain, weight loss, increased use of alcohol and drugs, just to try to, you know, um, uh, ease the discomfort of it all. Now, how long uh, does this last? How long do these feelings last? Well, you know, it varies, you know, some get better in, in, you know, a relatively short period of time. That's not to say that it's not horribly uncomfortable, you know, in that that period, but people are more likely to get through it um, more quickly if they're willing to take care of themselves, you know, take care of their physical and mental and emotional needs. Uh, but sometimes the symptoms persist, persist, and it's really no fault of the individual um, because it's, it's um, it is so overwhelming that even knowing how one might help themselves becomes really blocked. And this is really what we call post-traumatic stress syndrome. And this is where professional help is very often necessary. Um, PTSD, as we call it, um, sometimes causes very obvious changes of behavior, um, but sometimes it's much more subtle. uh, Particularly if it's like what I mentioned about you know going underground, because it's below perception and it only comes up every now and then. Or it might be that that there are symptoms on the surface, but no one is relating it to the post-traumatic stress that's buried below. But clearly, you know, we're a culture that says get over it, you know, pull yourself up, get moving, get, and yet, you know, stuffing it or the suppressing of trauma really doesn't get rid of the trauma.
0: Yeah, so suppressing the, the traumatic stress doesn't work.
1: Absolutely not. It just means that it's not available to conscious awareness, but the trauma is very often brewing below the surface. And some of the telltale signs, interestingly enough, arise when there are physical or medical issues that surface. Things like um, migraines, high blood pressure, anxiety and depression, autoimmune and inflammatory diseases very often have a um, a link to unresolved trauma. And so medical professionals very often are baffled and unable to find the cause for some of these ailments because they haven't really had the, the clear connection of how they might be related to something in someone's history.
0: Yeah. So if if a person is no longer conscious of the trauma, uh, they may not even
1: think to tell their doctors about it. Oh, this happens all the time. You're absolutely right. So if there haven't been probing questions about the history or if the patient has suppressed their traumatic history or somehow has framed it in, you know, it's really not important. That was way back then. Surely that's not bothering me. Then it may never be addressed. And there can be life altering s- symptoms that are a result from it, but it's never been identified. So one really can't move into any kind of post-traumatic recovery. Well, what is, what's involved in post-trauma recovery? Well, the, the, the key is it takes time to heal. And, and the healing of trauma involves patience and also compassion, but these are often difficult to access when one is going through the experience of post-traumatic stress. Um, allowing the the scary feelings to emerge, allowing them safe passage, um, is sometimes something that that an individual just, um, can't allow themselves to do. This is why professional help can be so very necessary. Dr. Jane, what do you suggest for PTSD recovery? Well, a couple of the basics, Anna, would be things like resuming one's normal routine. and this is because it lends familiarity, um, it, it tends to be a grounding, it adds some normalcy to one's life when there really has been this traumatic shakeup. You know, and as I mentioned, it's also allowing the feelings to surface, you know, without criticism because there are really no right or wrong emotions. It's mm-hmm. to allow them to move through us rather than stuffing. Um, is that requiring that safe, the uh, safe passage which is um, so often relies on self-compassion, which again is hard to access during these times of traumatic stress.
0: Yes, patience and compassion are so important. And uh,
1: what about social connections, Dr. Jane? Well, I think that the taking, you know, uh, taking time to talk to trusted others, you know, who are positive and supportive and don't try to talk us out of our feelings can be incredibly helpful. Um, this is a tough space, though. It's a tough space for someone to hear the trauma. It's a tough space for the individual who's experiencing it to relive it or even to be able to admit to the feelings that are coming up. But this can allow the individual to feel safe and not so alone in this intense emo- emotional turmoil. Yeah.
0: Now, what about self-care when they're in that emotional turmoil?
1: Well, you know, I, I believe self-care is the cornerstone to any healing. And uh, it's about making healthy choices, you know, even when we don't feel like making healthy choices. So it's, it's um, eating healthy, staying physically active. You know, I can't stress enough how uh, good sleep habits, uh, how imperative they are, good sleep hygiene. Um, going to bed at certain times, awakening at certain times, allowing oneself um, um, a mellowing kind of a time in order to be able to fall asleep at a, at a reasonable hour. Uh, these are all incredibly important. You know, to, to really avoid anything that's a, an, um, adrenaline producing, you know, late in the evening, like, you know, watching Law and Order in the bedroom is not a good idea. You know, that kind of violence can, can get us worked yeah. up. Um, it's keeping the environment as a whole as positive and holding as possible avoiding you know negative news feeds and negative social media because negativity tends to breed negativity it's also important to avoid alcohol nicotine caffeine and recreational drugs you know we're a culture that's really addicted to comfort and so we're conditioned to kind of reach out for those substances uh, just to relieve our our uh, discomfort i mean really for medicinal purposes
0: yeah, I know for some people it's really easy to, you know, to just start to just to have a drink to relax, but it can move really quickly into a regular habit. Yes, it can. Yes, it
1: can. But people look for it as a stress reliever. And, you know, it, it works, but only temporarily and can lead to more problems down the line. Yeah. How true.
0: I know, I uh, you know, um, I know they say about, what, what is that, a HALT? I
1: think you and I have talked about that before. You know, Anna, it's one of my favorites. You know, the, the, the whole piece about, um, from the 12-step program, you know, never let yourself get too hungry, angry, lonely, yeah. or tired. Because all of these, all of these really set us up to be more vulnerable. And when we're more vulnerable, we're more reactive. So, you know, using this can be incredibly important.
0: Yeah, I, how true. I, I know I've never made a good decision when I've been in a halt state, Dr. Jane.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if these don't tend to work, you know, then it's really time to get professional help. You know, you can start with your family physician or, you know, certainly uh, mental health um, programs, you know, in our community. Um, and it's important to to really work toward um, Providing whatever is needed for the individual who's going through the the traumatic process. Um, Because symptoms can sometimes worsen, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it leads to um, an inability to function at work or home. And very often, one of the telltale signs is, you know, real clear social withdrawal and isolation or reoccurring flashbacks or another another symptom any kind of thoughts of one harming themselves or others, these are real, real hallmarks of, you know, needing the professional help ASAP. Mm. And there are several available treatment modalities, you know, a lot of um, backup with very, very clear, substantial research. I mean, they really, they really do work. There are great success rates. So it's getting together with, you know, those professionals to really give the support that's needed.
0: Yeah, so if somebody's been doing these techniques on a consistent basis for a very long time and none of these work, this is, is, they should definitely seek a
1: professional. That's exactly right, that's exactly right. And the professionals in our community know about traumatic stress. You know, we have programs, there are services available. All these emotions are so, so scary. And
0: I hope these recovery suggestions will be very helpful for whomever may be, uh, you know, watching and are suffering from PTSD. I thought, uh, Dr. Jane, it might be helpful next time for us to discuss the family dynamics and too much togetherness that some people are feeling. I know I hear a lot about that these days.
1: Well, Anna, I think that's a great idea. I think it also extends to, you know, it's families, but also other significant relationships and friendships. Because certainly the trauma that we have experienced and, you know, the uncertainties of how things are going to continue to play out are affecting us all both families and significant relationships, friendships, work associate, associates, you know, all of the social environments that we happen to be involved in. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, this
0: sounds great. Thank you again for sharing your time and your knowledge with us. I so appreciate it. I can't wait until our next Coming Together for the Good Conversation.
1: I'll see you soon, Dr.
0: Jane. See you
1: as well, Anna. Bye now. Bye-bye.